How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Diamond for diamond, no one compares with Mervis. At Mervis Diamond Importers, our natural diamonds come straight from the mines in Africa and our mermaid lab-grown diamonds beat all others for quality and value. Come view our brilliant diamonds, both natural and lab-grown. Mervis diamonds are so bright and full of fire, they will blow you away. So will the affordable prices. Our diamonds may steal your heart, but not your wallet. See our mermaid lab-grown diamonds and learn how to get a larger diamond for less. You can get a bigger mermaid lab-grown diamonds than you ever thought possible. And with Mervis financing, you can enjoy up to five years to pay with zero interest. Our generous full-value trader policy and our lifetime warranty program easily make Mervis your first choice. When you mount a world-class Mervis diamond into a designer ring from our huge collection, there is no equal. Mervis Diamond Importers. For an appointment, call 800-HER-LOVE or go to MervisDiamond.com. Again, that's 800-HER-LOVE or go to MervisDiamond.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lunch Improve, the podcast where we made our two favorite pastimes of different Broncos and beer. I am JT Matthews. You can find me at JT Matthews01 on Twitter. I am here with the doctor, Nicholas Manning, at DR underscore N Manning on Twitter as well. And of course, we're here with super producer, editor, John, co host John Cronenberg at John K NFL on Twitter as well. And of course, you can follow the show at orange underscore and underscore brew. Doc, how we feeling today, John? How we doing? It's a Sunday, a rare Sunday recording. We don't do this too often, but it's kind of nice, you know. We got not much going on today. Uh, I think the Abs are playing right now, but otherwise, it's been a pretty quiet yeah. Sunday. Yeah, zero zero. Did check a little bit. Much more even against Arizona than before. Nuggets with a finals preview type atmosphere last night. Pulled away. Huge win. Huge big. win. Huge, huge. And then uh I feel like I have adapted from the return of my vacation. Still got my still my glow. Um yeah, you're looking tan. Yeah, it's uh where where did you go again? Tell us. Cancun. Oh six nights. Lucky Cancun. Uh I don't know if I call it lucky. Like when you have to work real hard to save and pay for it, it's like not really lucky. I'm Fair. fortunate enough that I have a brother-in-law and a sister-in-law who will take my fortune. <laughs> That's that, that part, was where it's that lucky. part is lucky because everyone JT. else there has like two kids, maybe three kids. Um, but unfortunately for us, like right, my parents aren't around, so I don't have like grandparent help. So really, it's like JT's house and then a sprinkling of grandma, maybe. Yeah, uh, or that's it. Like no one else. Who else is going to volunteer to watch four kids? Like nobody. Everyone says it. Like, oh, your kids are so cute. I like would love to. Like, no, you wouldn't, and no, you wouldn't. So it's all right. But it was a it was a good trip. Uh, a lot of hanging around. Um, wore a couple ridiculous outfits. 
that was uh, enjoyable. Got some silver shoes. With wait, some wait, 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 wait. Uh, danced until like outfits. two a.m. in them. It was, wait, uh, what it was were the outfits? This one needs to like, be posted. Like, oh, I'll, I'll, yeah, for sure. I mean, okay, bright, shiny, silver, silver top, like just, uh And then silver Tin Man looking shoes with light ups. And uh, all all eight guys had uh, had similar outfits, you know, different colors and shades. And we uh, dominated the club. Nothing like uh, late 30, early 40 year olds just <laughs> acting a fool. So you it kind of sound like disco stew. I'm sorry if you know from The Simpsons. I mean, kind of. <laughs> I I put on a show. There was a lady that went in on the review on the uh, for the hotel and said, "We saw you guys. You guys were the ones with the shoes." So, <laughs> damn. You you me. you left an impression. I mean, that place will never be the same. Never. Cancun was forever changed. <laughs> JT, I got to ask you real quick. How's uh, your podcast going? Let, let me let me know uh, what episode you're on. You're almost done with season one. Oh, man. I don't even know what episode it's on. Yeah, Live to Die podcast. For all you nerds out there that want to listen to some gaming podcast. Uh, yeah, we're, we're getting to wrap season one. Um, so I think next week we record, we batch record a few episodes and then we'll have one more recording after that. And that'll be the finale. So it's been, uh, it's been fun. It's a bun, a definitely a different project than what we do here. Uh, rewarding in different ways, but I think it's been, uh, it's, it's a positive thing for sure. Now, if you do a season two, let me just ask you, if you were to do one, what would be mm-hmm. your tabletop game of choice? Also knowing uh, that Dungeons and Dragons the movie just came out. So I'm just trying to figure out, making sure. Does this is that your is that a choice, a game of your choice? Uh I played a lot of D D growing up. Did you? I, okay. I have switched over to Pathfinder mostly. There's a lot of games though. There's a lot of good games. Uh season two is gonna be Pathfinder. We already decided. We're already Okay, on. good, nice. <clears throat> so keep an, an eye out for that if you're interested. But yeah, it'll be fun uh what have you been up to john anything new no nothing really that new just been uh you know helping the sister with uh what she needs and just taking care of business and yeah been things have been yeah. nice i've been taking a little bit of break uh from football uh just because you know there, there wasn't much uh too much going on last week which is you know it's a nice to have a little bit of a lull for for a week you can kind of just study the draft and you know see what's going on there and i'm excited about that we heard some news from some some players and uh it'll be interesting to hear what we if we agree with these players especially uh when they're talking about uh competing especially uh with a right tackle saying that yeah yeah we'll uh we'll dive into some foreshadowing yeah (laughs) i think that you know the best part and the worst part of bronco social media like twitter is just rough sometimes like it gets it gets super toxic and we all got to step away at times and it's just the reality of you know a fandom especially with social media being as uh you know we we know a lot of people within the social media circles but a lot of it's blank faces just saying whatever they want to say to get reactions or to get uh hype and so it's it's necessary to step away sometimes so i definitely definitely get that yeah i mean it was it was nice the vacay i also read a book in three days nice. um, which i mean being on vacation and stuff no i'm not after you go through a lot of school reading um 
has had become a chore. And so I haven't been doing it. So I finished one book on my last vacation. And then this one, I finished Bird Box, which if you've seen the oh, movie nice. on Netflix, pretty dope movie. Love the movie. Yeah. The book was was really good, too. And so I uh, knocked that one out. Now I got two more books to go. So like trying to trying to do some different things to diversify the whole brain. It's much different than reading an economics book or being told you have to read something like that. You know, it, it really is when you're done with school. It, 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 you know, reading a book for joy is much different than reading a book where you're told, hey, uh, you got to make a paper after you read this. Uh, so really read everything and understand what's going on with the these these small, minute details when you can just yeah. kind of enjoy a book. Isn't that great? Yeah, it, it really is. Let your brain go somewhere. Yeah, I used to read books all the time and I haven't read a book in years because I had children. And then every time I start to read a book, I would fall asleep. Yeah. I, that used to be me. I fixed it now. So now I, uh, it's much more an engaging activity for me now. So that's good. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, jump into some Broncos talk. Y'all ready? Yeah. You know yeah. What? I think we should start with talking about the, uh, a survey was sent out about uh, potential plans, uh, or at least gauging the the uh, public, was it was it specifically to uh, ticket holders that it was sent out yeah. to? Yeah, season ticket First holders. Season ticket holders. Yeah. Um, just kind of gauging the thought behind uh, a new stadium, if that was something that people would be open to. If so, location, uh, what that would look like. And I just want to kind of get your all's thoughts generically. Uh, we we were going to do a whole little segment about building our, where we want uh, the location and all of that stuff. But I think we can kind of, without having the uh, graphics pulled up, we can kind of just get, kind of go through it. Um, how about just the general idea of a new stadium? We open to that. We think it's necessary. Uh, John, why don't you kick us off? You know, the stadium was built in 2001. Uh, it was the last stadium built that didn't get a Super Bowl. So obviously that left uh, some fans feeling kind of, you know, spiteful and, uh, you know, feel like that Denver is definitely deserving of a Super Bowl. It's it's definitely a city on the rise. Everyone wants to come to Denver. There's, you know, it's a DIA. The airport is built for, you know, travel. It's built for that. Uh, you, you know, the, the money would be great. I, you know, it, it's... Uh, as much as I would love to keep the stadium as it is now, it seems like that it, it is moving towards getting it to a new stadium, even though personally I kind of, I would keep the stadium and just upgrade it, but that's, uh, that's me. And I, I hold on to things too long. So I think I'm the only one probably that feels that way, uh, at least at this time. But uh, if the owners want to pay and Hey, let's do that. But uh, if, if not, uh, I'm not really into having the taxpayers pay. So that's, that's my big takeaway from my initial thought process when I was told about this. Uh, I want to know what the cost is to the taxpayers and what is it going to bring income wise. Uh, that's my initial thoughts. What about what about you guys? Uh, especially, uh, we'll go with we'll go with Nick next. What's your yeah, initial thought? My initial thought, I I think you hit on the head to begin with, John. Is the this area deserves a Super Bowl, and not even just the city of Denver state of Colorado, but the region, we've talked about that. Like the Denver Broncos are a regional team, Kansas, Wyoming, et cetera. Right. Like we have friends in um, Montana and 
um, Idaho who are Broncos fans, like unquestioned, you know, just for example. So you look at kind of the the up and down corridor here, Utah, et cetera, where, um, you know, that's a reasonable distance to go for a Super Bowl versus, uh, you know, cross country and those kind of things. And we all know that the weather uh, isn't isn't too bad. Um, however, you know, you have to have the dome option for it to be an option. And so uh, being able to do that, I heard some really good arguments. Alfred Williams had brought this up, too, about being able to host a Final Four, which you know, is a, is a tremendous, um, is a, a tremendous event to be able to hold. So if you were to have a mixed use stadium, which I would be in favor for, I think as much traction as you can get to that area is good for the economy of that area. Uh, but it also diversifies kind of the, the, the eyes on your state. You can have world cup, um, qualifiers, et cetera, and really kind of year round versus, you got to aim for the summer months or the spring months, which um, which can be a challenge. And so I think that it creates some unique opportunities for uh, for for this area, which is a huge sports fandom. Right. Like, I mean, when teams provide winning products. Uh, they or they sell out and even the Rockies who don't draw three million fans a year because we enjoy baseball and uh, and. You can see it with the Nuggets. You can see it with Avalanche. See it with the Broncos. Seven bad years, still sellouts. So uh, it's really important to be able to provide a plethora of opportunities to be able to use the space because if you build it, they will come. That is what they say. That is what they say. I've heard it once. Once or twice. Once or twice. Um, Yeah, I I think that I, I like the idea of something new. Um. But I don't like it just just because it's new. I would want it to be like something like you said, Doc, like where it's it's more of a draw for, you know, events uh, in sports worldwide than it is necessarily just for Broncos fans, you know. And I think Broncos fans are discerning fans. I think they understand what a new stadium means or what uh, that could mean for uh, just just kind of the local scene. But I also think that you know, if you uh, let, let's be honest, this ownership group has the ability to go and create something that kind of changes the uh, the landscape of sporting in in Colorado, um, and you know, and and across the states. And I think, you know, if they wanted to build something that could draw people and could draw events, they they absolutely have the ability and the money to do that. The financial backing just a matter of whether they are committed to doing that or whether they just want to focus in on this fan base and, and find figuring out uh, kind of the formula for success before moving down that road. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. I think that I like the idea of it. I like the idea of uh, we could talk a little location. Yep. You know, I think if you move it a little South and East, you move it out towards the airport a little bit. There's a lot of, area to do that i think that you're not moving too far from where it originally was you know obviously it's going to be a change for some individuals uh a big change sorry did i cut out there my internet just said it was instead okay cool yeah my my Um, i like it though my feeling is like if you put it 70 yeah is the traffic really going to be worse than getting there from on i-25 right now no I think or you can build that out. And you can, yeah, yeah, like it's, yeah, 
it's rough now <laughs> where you come from if you can create you know some um some opportunities for some different routes to get there i think that's tremendous i agree the the airport idea works best in my brain because i think if you were to do it downtown yeah you'd have to really demolish a lot of that area and and you could do it at Elitch's, but i don't know where people are going to park downtown is already a hot mess to try and get in and out of games you know a rockies game trying to get in and out that's thirty thousand people Broncos game at 70,000 plus, plus the people that want to go around the area to watch the game anyway. You know, maybe it's 100,000 people that are coming in there. That sounds yeah. awful, awful to yeah. me. Um, and I don't think that the uh, the Walter Penner group is going to get outdone by, you know, by good old cousin Cronky or, or brother-in-law or whatever. Brother-in-law. Yeah, yeah. Um, right? With his Megaplex. And I think that they, you know, maybe you do something in tandem with the Pepsi Center and you kind of build it out and you make it a... Uh, uh, a mega sports area but i think that they if it were me i would want my own bag i want my own thing and then um you know if you've ever watched how walmart uh identifies their place um they, there's a lot of research in it to really drive and maximize traffic and so the, it, the, i think we're going to land on a retractable dome this is my guesstimation which i would yeah by the by the airport with the uh, old one billion dollar megaplex, there'll be a uh, there'll be shopping centers and dining restaurants because then it's it's revenue that you can rent out to if you're the stadium owners, you can rent out to Red and Jerry's because they build a thing or um, you know Cold Stone and breweries and all that stuff and then you lease it and you get you know you're getting a whole bunch of money back that that goes to the infrastructure of your team or all that good stuff. So, uh, and that's where the success has come. And if you want to be the owners that brought a Super Bowl to Denver, I mean, that go a long way. We've never had an owner do that for as great as Pat Bowen is and uh, was for the Denver Broncos. That's one thing that we never have had here. And I think that has to be the goal. I think every town, right. It should strive for that. I think every city should want one. I mean, it's been to Detroit for goodness yeah. sakes and Minnesota and Indianapolis and you know those are nice places and all that good stuff but anyone gonna tell me that it's better than going down to Denver and enjoying uh I'll we'll have a conversation I don't get heated yeah. much that would get it even Vegas like yeah. for as great yeah. as Vegas is like I was there a couple weeks ago it's awesome but it's you know we, we all Vegas the strip it's tacky it's all that like it's cool but like you're not seeing the heart of Nevada in Las Vegas. You're not like, sure. it's not culturally immersive. It's not, there's not a whole bunch of other things to do other than typical strip kind of stuff. You know, here there's museums and civic centers and uh, music halls, et cetera. And I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, one of the top 10, right? Biggest markets in, in the USA. And so I think maximizing that would be huge. And I, I think that they will, I think that they already know what they want to do. They want to see what the impact will be and how many, how many people will we lose? Cause that's what I would do. I would survey how many people are going to lose. Maybe there's a big push, you know, 90% say this and it maybe skews our direction, but really it's an assessment on how, how loyal will this base be? Uh, but we talked yeah. about it before about if they lose 10 or 15,000 people to this, which would make sense there. I'm one of the hundred thousand people that'll be like, all right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, no, I think I think an infrastructure is a huge thing, right? And it's like the the amount of area that there is out there to build something, uh, you know, including transportation. You can, you, you know, like I think you were saying, Doc, before we jumped on, that you know, even public transportation down to to the stadium is not really uh, around much anymore. And so, you know, you have the opportunity to build something from scratch that you can kind of build all those things around, right? You have this area, this space, and it's kind of unlimited um, as long as, I mean, obviously there's, there's uh, you know, the, the, the local uh, laws and, and, and uh, what are the word, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, um, not statutes, but you know what I mean? Like you have to fall within a certain, uh, I'm, I'm blanking at the moment. Right. But, Move on. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but, the you word, know, words are hard today for whatever reason. But, but I mean, regardless, you know, you you have something that you're building from scratch that you have. A, Was not, there regulations, by the way? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was regulations. <laughs> it was. Yeah. OK, perfect. <laughs> and so uh, but regardless, I mean, you've got you've got something to build from scratch that really you can put your stamp on, on that team. And as, as new ownership, I don't think the plan is for them to go anywhere anytime soon. So you may as well build something that's going to have a legacy. And I don't think that there's a better way to do that at the moment. Yeah. I agree with you guys a lot about uh DIA. I think it'd be interesting if you can get all the, uh, you know, public transportation, like we were talking, like you guys were both talking, speaking about uh, have everything connect. And, you know, like you said, have a hotel connect where to the stadium and, and the hotel connect with transportation where people can all of a sudden go to downtown Denver. All of a sudden they can go to Boulder. They can go to many different places. And all of a sudden it really would help the economy really thrive uh, compared to if you're just to, to build a stadium and kind of have it be a little bit isolated. I think that's the, the better way to go and really get people out there to different areas. And again, like you said, have your complex be available for uh, those different areas around it uh, for restaurants, for, for like your cold stones, whatever it may be. And then with within your stadium, you know, have uh you know, really hope to improve the food personally. That's one thing I would look to improve. Uh, I don't know if you guys agree there. What, what are things that within the stadium you would like to see improved uh, specifically? One thing for me is definitely uh, the food. I mean, and uh, hopefully get more bang for your buck because I, I remember spending uh, $11 for uh, a measly drink. That was just, you know, a small soda with, with no cup, uh, with no lid. So it was, uh, you know, expensive. What are some things you'd like to see inside the stadium? Uh, I don't know. I, I just think that you have the opportunity to do something domed, which I think is cool, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, some people love the, the open field and the, having the, the players play in the, the snow and the rain and all the, the would you guys miss, uh, let me ask this real quick. Would you guys miss the ability for the stadium? You know, it's, it's not like it was in mile high where the stadium really, sh- you know, shook. Would you want that engineered again where there would be the ability to at least have some kind of that shaking feeling going on? Cause you know, that, that feels like a staple to, you know, to me, to Denver. Yeah, I, I think, I think so. I think I would, I would miss that for sure, but uh, it, it does feel a little, you know, specific to, to us who people who go to games at least. Yeah. I think I would like it engineered to where it holds sound better yeah um because it gets pretty loud now 
I mean, you saw JJ Watt go out there and we're like, man, that was one of my favorite places to play. Like the fans are like on you, which I, you know, having some resemblance of that. So when they built what CenturyLink, they yeah in Seattle it only seats like sixty two thousand, but they they created it where the sound bounces, so it stays in the stadium more. Um, so having an intentional, you know, an intentional design that helps the the stadium hold it. I would like the option for a retractable roof because I think you can in January you can play in the snow. Just you have a roof. It doesn't mean that you have to close it. It gives you the option for big world-class events because you can close it. You know, you can close it. And it's one of those where uh, it got brought up, right? If the, if we had a retractable dome in Denver in 2013, January 11th or whatever day it was, the Broncos beat the Ravens and they go to Super Bowl. Probably. And we probably have three Super Bowl appearances in four years. You know, and like, you got to... You got to remember the the Super Bowl that where the Broncos went to wasn't that in New York? Am I, am I correct? Yep. Then and that was the York last. That was the last stadium that was you know not warm yeah, weather. That it was cold. Lot, they were like, "We'll give it a shot because it's New York." I'm like, "Really?" Yeah. That's so uh, that had that had issues with with Denver as well. So uh, yeah, retractable is the way to go for me. Give yeah, me I, a- I would like more food options. I think better ability to get to restrooms. I think that'll always be a big one when you got 70, 80,000 people, you know, making sure that there's a flow to the let out the flow would, is always a, a beneficial thing. I like, I like mile high. I, I don't, there's enough there for me. I go for the atmosphere, having some of the extras would be nice, but um, I would assume if you do something big like they have in, uh, in Dallas or LA, you know, the whole base of it essentially is, a shopping mall so you can always kind of go get more food and have more options so i i would i would be shocked if they didn't diversify some of that stuff so i think probably the more expensive that place is the more experience that there will be because they want you to spend your money there so that would be what i would uh i would guesstimate give me a give me a sports book too 100 right like i mean they they have a partnership with betfred or what have you like have it be within the stadium you know, some TVs around, you can go an hour or whatever before the game and, you know, go catch what's going on on red zone, put some bets down and all that good stuff. I mean, it's, uh, there's just so many options now, which I think is, is fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it'll, it'll be, uh, intriguing to kind of see how it all plays out. I think it, it feels like it's trending that way. It seems like the rumors have always favored that, uh, whether those were, circulated by media or otherwise it just it just seems like an ad like something that's going to happen um who knows time will tell and obviously it's going to take some time for something like that to to come to fruition um but i definitely wouldn't be opposed to it you know i don't i don't want it to be two hours away from me to go see a game you know but i think that if you have the ability to kind of retool the landscape uh, for sporting in, in this state, in this region, then I think you got to go forward with it. Um, let's take a break here. We're going to have some beer time. And then on the other side, we're going to talk some Broncos news. We're going to talk about some draft stuff. We're going to get uh, into the nitty gritty. So stick with us and we will be right back. And we're back. We're not taking a break. I already got my beer. <laughs> it's great. We didn't have to run today. So you already got your beer? Yeah. 
right. I brought them both in here because I wasn't knowing straight. what we're going to do. Jumping straight into beer time. I'm going to go with my beer this this week. So when you guys listen this week, because I, I have to be honest, I'm not in the mood for uh, a, a cinnamon beer quite quite right now. A what? A cinnamon <laughs> beer. Oh, that's what I thought you said. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it's it, it, you know, I'm I'm not sure what it's going to be like. It's it said it was a, a dark um a dark a dark ale, and I just I remember I like the the light one. So I uh, you know I'm going to go reach out for uh, go buy another light one because I think that's where I my my taste buds are at. So what that's do you guys funny. have? I mean I'm interested to hear about the cinnamon beer, but we'll get to that this week. Uh, Doc, we drinking the same thing today? We are. We got the Firestone Mine Haze Citrus. Cyclone IPA, six point two ABV, twenty IBU, head spinning taste of all citrus flavors under the sun, finished with a kiss of real tangerine. Citrus Cyclone is available exclusively in a tropical hazy mixed pack. Yeah, oh, snap. it is. I've had Firestone beers before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't had one in a long time though. I don't know uh, about I you. I think that I'm trying to remember the last time, the last one that I had. Um, but regardless, they make some good. They make a good product. I'm always down for an IPA. Citrus Cyclone. Does it say the hops anywhere? I was looking for them, but I didn't see them. Uh, by the way, a Firestone Walker is the brewing company out of Paso Robles, California, USA. Uh, you know, for all of you in that area, go go mm-hmm. check them out. Where'd they you guys some, get this? Some good beer. Uh, the old good old grocery store. Ah, yeah. Kroger? Yeah. I don't What's it? I mean, King, King, King Super. You know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, seeing if so people that listen that aren't within Colorado understand. Because, you know... That's everywhere. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um with Mandarin. Manda Mandarinian. Mandarina. Mandarina. Mandarin? Mandarina. Let me let me see the, the can real quick. Uh because you know, let me see if, if it would attract that's dope. me. Got some like aliens on this side. I have to admit that's an attractive can. That's something where yeah, you know you're looking at it. Yeah, I I have to admit that that <laughs> looks good. It it looks very refreshing just from the can. It's eyeball catching. It's eyeball catching. That's for sure. It's almost I'm got like an do. old uh, movie, like horror movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Know, like like yeah. sci-fi with these little guys yeah, there for sure. Interesting. Oh, I, 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 I totally like get it. Like from the sixties. Yeah, I see yeah, that. Yeah. The I can see that being a movie poster. Yeah, go for the get it. Go for it, guys. All right. You ready to uh to pop this baby open? Oh yep. All right. Cheers. Three, two, one. Let's go. Never left. That was great. Ooh, it smells it Ooh. smells very citrus. It's it smells dead. like orange juice, if I'm being real. Does it? I mean it said real citrus. Not the I mean, stuff like I mean you wouldn't find it a Kroger. You know, sometimes they say stuff and it doesn't always happen. That is a scientific fact that goes into the grading scale. We talked about this. All right, cheers. All right, cheers. Hmm, okay. Yeah. 
I like it. Daddy like you lots. But I better get away from that. I was saying that just to be obnoxious. Uh, and, um, and now it's stuck. I think it's going to get me in trouble, probably. So I'd be real careful with the whole daddy likey. <laughs> it was very audience specific. That's for sure. Well, would this daddy likey? Uh, I think you would. It's good. It's good. I, I mean, it if, if it's if it's if it's citrusy and you know that kind of thing, because you know I did have one um, that was Ooh. juicy. It said, and uh, again, those seem to be things that called me. Would you say that this has like that kind of a, a appeal? If you were to go for more of a you know an IPA kind of uh, route, yeah, I yeah I I'm not really like citrusy. It's got to be really good for me to do it. That's not just. It's not my wheelhouse. It's not my preferred. I kind of like just traditional IPAs, but it's good. I mean, it's citrus. Like, it, I mean, you taste it. It hangs around a little bit, but it's it's good. It's kind of refreshing. It feels kind of springish, you know. And uh, it has some of the IPA, you know, the IPA bite. I don't know how to describe it better, but um, it's good. You know, it's uh, it's not too bad. And I would say it's crushable at six point two. It's pretty clear. Well, we're going to find it out remind, before we get to the third segment. It, remind, it reminds me a little bit of a line and Kugel summer shandy kind of deal. I don't know if you have. Oh, yeah. yeah. That. It's a little more bitter than that. Um, but it's definitely got like big citrusy pops. Like that line and Kugel summer, summer shandy is like almost not a beer. Sometimes it tastes it's like a dessert. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really scream beer. Uh, but I still like it. You know, it's it's good seasonally. I don't know. You know, I think it's definitely a good summer beer for sure. Um, the bitterness is a little weird to me. I like it. Yeah, it does hang around a little bit. It hangs around, and it's almost like that bitterness of like when you drink uh, orange juice after brushing your teeth. It's not the best kind of bitter feel for me. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's like where it lands on the tongue or something. But uh, it's still tasty. It's still tasty. It wouldn't keep me from drinking it. It just it's does something differently that than other citrusy IPAs that I've had. Um, so I don't know it, if you can you can go with uh, saying a W if something tastes like you know brushing your teeth and having orange juice. Like let's let's be honest. Come on. It's, it's just it's like it's like a little ghost with a little whisper of that, just the tiniest bit that. Like when you get an IPA, you expect bitter. And so I was expecting more like, I don't know. I was expecting it to be like more pronounced and it's really pretty subtle, but it's almost like, you know, if I brushed my teeth like two hours ago, had some orange juice and it was just still kind of lingering there a little bit. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Uh, But I think the taste overall is good. So I'm a little, I'm a little conflicted. I'm a little conflicted. Hmm. Um. I think I give it a small dub though, because I think the taste. I think if maybe I was expecting it, then it wouldn't catch me off guard, and I would be fine. Uh, but I think because I was not expecting that ex- that kind of bitter, it it threw me off a little bit. But I think for the most part, it it's a tasty beer. And you give yeah, it, I'm, you give it I a big dub or a little bit. I didn't get any of the tooth brushing. Really, you know, there's a little bitterness, but it. Um... I kind of attribute it more just to the IPA, the, the IPA-ness, happiness. happiness. 
So I'm all about it. I'm all about this life. Bad things are about right. to happen. Well, now we need John to be the tiebreaker someday. Well, you, gave you, know, a, you gave it a I'll small dub. This. You gave it a small dub, but I gave it a regular dub. A regular dub? Okay. Yeah, it's I not mean, special. It, it got a dub. But I want to yeah. know if it's, if John... Now I, I, I need to know if people feel like I do with the little the toothpaste analogy. So All right. I'll, I'm, I'm going to look for it when I go. Okay. All right. Okay. Don't miss thing over Good deal. If you if you need, we'll save you one if we need to. We'll do it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's cut this beer time here, and we'll be back on the other side where we'll talk more Broncos football. Uh, stick with us, baby. We will be right back, and let's go. Okay, John's good. So. go uh i want to talk broncos i want to talk about where the roster stands currently um and what we should be looking for as we come up on the nfl draft but i want to start with a simple question which i actually thought was a little bit difficult to answer when i saw it i want to say i just saw someone post it on twitter i don't remember who it was but thank you for the the thought-provoking fuel regarding this team I think that in the past we've had really strong position groups. I don't feel as strongly about uh, some of our position groups right now. So I'm wondering what you guys think the single strongest position group on this Broncos roster is as it's currently constructed. Um, And I, I think in the past it's been easy when you've had superstars in certain positions, you know, I think for a long time we had a really good pass rush with Von Miller. Um, you know, I think our secondary last year was looked strong from a personnel perspective. Um, I think that you can point to a lot of different position groups and say solid or strong. I think this year it feels a little more, uh, I don't want to say underwhelming, but maybe a little less solid in some areas. Maybe that's just based on our familiarity with these these roster uh these individuals that have been brought onto the roster um that we're not as familiar with and maybe that is contributing to it but i I just wondered what you guys were thinking about the current roster construction and what you think the strong points are of this roster so we'll start with doc what i think the strong points of the roster that's good as still as constructed i still if they went into the season we're talking about just going into the season or going into the draft right now I would say that the wide receiver room is still a strength, in my opinion. It's not bulletproof, but it's uh, but it's solid. I feel good about the. I feel good about the safety room actually with PJ Locke, Caden Stearns, and um, and Justin Simmons. I, you know, I'm looking at like would I want to dr- draft a starter there immediately? I think both of those rooms. Sure. Um, probably not. I don't, if someone fell, that was, you know, crazy value. Sure. Like you jump on it. Um, but it's not an area that I would necessarily attack first. In my opinion, 
I think that that's it. And then I think maybe the linebacker room for a first time, long time. Um, okay. Okay. Those are like, those would be my three. Okay. Yeah. I, I think Josie and, and Singleton, I, I, I'm excited to see what they get to do with, you know, coming in healthy, being the man, uh, and what Jonas Griffith can provide in a three man rotation. I think that's a, I think that's a good group. <clears throat> those would be my, those would be my, my ones. Uh, I, I think probably receiver room, I would actually now rank, I'd probably rank it like linebackers. Cause I would even say you probably could put edge in there, depending on how you want to see it. I still would say that that's probably the best, right? I probably don't need to bring anyone in development or otherwise right now at this current moment and then safeties and then, and then receivers everywhere else. I think if they, whoever the first pick was, if they've added to that room, I would be like, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. Yeah, yeah. My John, anyway, do you, what do you guys think? Do you, do you agree, John? Do you? This, this is a, a really good question. First of all, um, and man, it, it's it's a hard one to think about. Uh, when you when you brought it up at first, I could not think of it. And then uh, I think you know, Nick, you hit it on the head. Uh, honestly, I think the inside linebacker, um, you know, room is is going to be the right now is the one I feel. You don't have to worry about drafting one. Um, you know, if someone great falls into your lap, I mean that that that's fantastic. But it's not somewhere I'm going to reach. Or you know, I'm I'm not concerned about that group. Uh, you know, you, you have what you need there, and you you know, I, I don't need anything else really. Um, yeah. uh, the one thing I'd push back on, Nick, is uh, the the safety room. To be honest with uh, you know, with Stearns, just his history with injuries. I, I worry about his hip uh, after last year. Uh, I do feel really comfortable with PJ Locke, but if he, you know, if he's called into uh, starting, you know, into starting, who's going to be that third safety who kind of, you know, comes in and and does that, uh, you know, some some more in the box kind of coverage or something along those lines. Um, so that you know, that's just a concern of mine is just Stearns and his injury history. That that's all I could say. Um, besides that, uh, I actually do think the edge room is is the second best room right now. Um, where you just don't need to upgrade it, uh, you know, on, you know, I think Chris Allen, you have to look back as you, you know, essentially as your, your, your draft pick in a, in a sense, mm-hmm. uh, getting him back from IR when, when you were able to get him as an undrafted free agent due to his injury, I think it was an Achilles if I'm correct, um, along those lines. And, uh, so I, I see him as the person coming back. He'll be fighting for a spot with Jonathan Cooper and those other guys. Uh, hopefully Nick Bonito can, you know, take a new step with a new coaching staff with some, you know, you know, some, some weight gain, some different things going for him, hopefully. Uh, so I feel comfortable about the edge room in terms of, you just don't need to add someone. Um, otherwise it, it gets difficult. You know, the offensive line room, I think you have some good players, but you know, you need to upgrade your center, you know, specifically we can talk about what they're doing there down, down the road a little bit when we get going. Uh, otherwise, you know, I, I, you know, again, Jacob Martin for the edge room. I can't think of a third group guys that I feel that comfortable with is, you know, wide receiver, I guess right now, um, you know, I don't feel like you need to add to the room because you, you do have Mar- you know, Washington, uh, Montreal, Washington to, you know, return kicks. You have, like you were talking about Galloway, uh, hopefully KJ Hamler is doing okay health wise. I know he had a torn pec. Uh, we'll be able to see where he comes back. You know if he comes back and when he comes back, where he'll be health wise. 
Uh, so, you know, we'll have to see how Vince Garcia goes with, with Hamler and uh, otherwise uh, I'm kind of stuck there. Uh, JT, do you have a, a third group that you can help me inspire me, inspire me? Um, I don't know. I feel okay about our tight end group. I don't know if that really counts. You know, that's a, it's not a, it's definitely not near like high profile group. I like the tight ends that we have. I think that there's potential, um, but I, I'm not as sold on the edge group as you guys are. Uh, I think mostly from a health perspective, um, you know, I like Randy Gregory, what he brings if he's healthy, you know, but we didn't see much of that. Um, I like Baron Brownie, what he brings when he's healthy, but again, not always healthy. Uh, Benito, I hope turns into something, but I didn't see a lot from Benito last year. And so it makes me nervous that maybe he's not, the guy that I thought he was, because I, I was definitely in favor of drafting him when he came out. Jonathan Cooper, hurt. Aaron Patrick, hurt. You know, these are guys that have all had a hard time staying on the field. And, like, do I like the upside? Yeah, absolutely, I do. But even my guy, Baron Browning, like, when he's out there, he's, he shows flashes, he shows potential, but he's not out there. And so... It just makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. I would say probably the group that I have the most, uh, that I think is the best group right now is probably the wide receiver group. And not necessarily from a top-end talent uh, perspective, but from a depth perspective at the moment. With bringing on Marcus Callaway, I think that was a big addition for them to have some flexibility. Tim Patrick should be coming back. Who knows what he'll look like, but hopefully at least uh, we'll gain some of that, uh, that 2021 productivity. I just, I, I had a hard time with this as I was kind of going through all the groups. You know, I like what they've done with the offensive line. Don't necessarily love the depth. I like what they've done with the running back room. Don't necessarily love the depth. Uh, and there's a big question mark with Javante. Um, I like our starting cornerbacks don't like the depth necessarily. And so I keep running into this question of maybe, maybe it's a familiarity with the groups or the, the individuals that are behind some of these starters that I just need to grow into, you know, realizing their potential or feeling comfortable with their performance. And, and this is a whole new system, right? And yep. so I don't know how these guys are going to play in the system. And so it, it makes it difficult to kind of suss that out, I think. See, my my hope for Nick Benito, right? So they they just brought on a new coach who was his, you know, essentially his defensive front coach in his time in Oklahoma. And I I think if it were me, you know what that investment looks like. Cause if Nick Benito can pop, you can move on from Randy Gregory and you can save a whole bunch of money. Yeah. And so yeah. um but I also think with all of the injuries that would happen, the luck that it, they would all happen in the same manner as they did last year is, you know, like it, the likelihood is minimal. Sure. So maybe one or two get hurt. I mean, someone's going to get hurt. But if Chris Allen is your five or your six showing what he showed um, previously at, at Alabama, I'd feel really good about that. I think Cooper, when he was on the field last year, actually – was much better against the run than I saw from him the last year. Um, so Nick Benito to me is like the only one about like, he's one dimensional at this moment. And if we can get an opportunity for him to, um, to improve, I think that that, that would be tremendous. 
Um, I, I like some of the depth in their secondary room. I'm worried about the top end. So I think Damari Mathis is still my dude. I think he has a shot to be a legit number two corner for a long yeah. time. I think banking on that in a win now scenario is not ideal. So that's where some of my concern comes in about, uh, I would want him to get pushed by someone that also has, you know, uh, number two, number three, number four talent, right? Like, right. you know, if he went down or he's injured, they could step in and start for a couple games. That's where my concern happens. Um, you know, a one game scenario. I like that group. I worry, you know, Caden Stern's getting injured for sure is a concern. He didn't get injured his rookie year. And so it's a little bit of like, a, you know, he, he had a rough time this sure. last year, but so did the entire team. And so, um, so I see it. Yep. Yeah. And I like Samaj P. Ryan. I know that Latavius Murray is going to be on this roster. <laughs> like it, yeah. I, know, I, I'm banking on that. I, I will, I'm, I'm guaranteeing it. Um, right now and i don't see how he wouldn't be he hasn't got signed yet he was here last year his favorite coach comes here he's gonna get a vet minimum it's probably gonna be close to training camp like what does he need to learn and he's 33 or whatever like right. save the save that you know if him if it's him samaj p ryan and then tony jones who is a really good athlete uh could play special teams and then javante comes back mid-season they probably draft another guy um they feel pretty good about that group um, so I, you know, I, I also think for the edge group, Zach Allen is really versatile. He stood up a ton in Arizona. So to me, like the area that I would want to, and maybe we're going to get here. So I'm just going to transition to it. I think adding to the defensive front is imperative because you need the flexibility to be able to move Randy Gregory from a down to an up, um, Zach Allen from down to an up. You have to be able to bring in multiple heavy bodies to stop the run, et cetera. They don't really have a true nose outside of um, outside of Mike Purcell. And, you know, and you want to be able to to bank on having a good depth piece and option. I think, um, you know, last two draft picks are good depth pieces. Henningson really improved. I really liked. He was a guy that I was really happy about last year. And I think he showed some, but you know, you got to keep filling spots and I think you got to bring some guys with some upside. And so that would be an area that I would be really upset if they didn't add anyone like throw a fit, probably tantrum. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And then I think we'll get to it. The interior offensive line, the center position in my opinion is uh, it's not solved. And that has been one that Sean Payton has attacked forever. Eric McCoy and Ruiz and Max Unger, and it's like he has made sure that that position itself was solidified. And so right now with Lloyd Cushenberry, who has been um, below average at best, and then the addition of Kyle Fuller, not your not your cousin's Kyle Fuller, right? But this generation's Kyle, I don't know, like, <laughs> who I think he started five games. He's played in like, I don't know, like – I looked at his PFF grades. None of them are good. I mean, it's essentially like Cushionberry, but probably maybe cheaper. And so yes, yeah. you assume um, you assume that that's maybe some leverage. It's a camp body, not a lot of guaranteed money. And so I know we talked about it kind of pre-pod, but I don't know what the answer is there. I don't know what the plan is. Yeah. I would assume that they will attack that in the draft. And if they whiff, then they'll go back to the vet pool, Ben Jones, et cetera, something like that. But um 
that would be an area because that's really the one spot. That's where they need depth. I, I think that some of the options at tackle, they probably could get away with. Um, but interior, uh, not a lot. You know, offensive line in general, the depth is, is uh, I would assume, multiple draft picks out there probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I know that you weren't going to jump, but I like why they didn't bring it back Graham for a couple million or a few million with some incentives to play center, or at least as a vet option. It's a shock to me. It's well, a shock to me. I mean, you you know, I, I, I was going to talk about it, but since, uh, you know, we, we, we do have the time, um, you know, Glasgow, uh, when, when he was released, uh, he was told by Sean, you know, by uh, George Payton that Sean, Sean Payton was still interested. He was going to reach out to him. Uh, that did not uh, ever occur, which, you know, we know with, with many of these guys, they say, hey, we're going to reach out to you eventually. You know, if things go certain ways, you know, that didn't happen. And I don't think uh, Graham was too worried about it. You know, he had his team of focus and that was the Detroit Lions. And that's where he ended up going. So he, w- he was happy to go there. Uh, he had some other teams interested. Uh, one thing I think was pretty interesting were, were the Cincinnati Bengals before they brought in uh, Brown and started to try to you know move some things around there. Um, and it sounded like you know a few other teams had some interest, the Rams. Uh, but you know he went he went home and where he can he can go start as well, uh, be their be their right guard. Um, so you know Graham for for me, I think you know I, I I you guys know you know he's meant a lot to me. He's you know helped me through many different shows, has has appeared on many shows, and you know been able to go to games because of him. Got some front row seats to the first opening game when Russell Wilson's first game. Uh, even though that has turned out differently for Russell Wilson, uh, went to the Arizona game and again, another front row seats. Um, it, it, you know, it's just because it's been, it's been a very nice thing with, with Glasgow. So I'm going to miss him in Denver, but you know, wish him the best in Detroit. However, as we're talking about these linemen here, I, I do think you have to go look at the draft here and, and really, you know, uh, someone I like personally is uh, Stormberg from uh, the University of um, Arkansas. I think he's someone you can get a little bit later. Um, you know, some people, you know, have him, you know, more of the fifth round, sixth round. I think I think you can get him, you know, if you want to, you know, go in the fourth round, you can get him. Uh, but there's a lot of good good centers in this draft. So I think the Broncos have to address that in, in this draft. There's a lot of, you know, it, when it comes to this, this draft, you know, when you were talking about this doc, I'm really worried about the defensive line as you were talking about the interior defensive line. I don't think this draft has a lot of good uh, depth going for it. I don't know if you guys agree, um, but for, for me, you know, if there's some great guys that are going to go outside the Broncos position, unless they want to trade up and give up, you know, one of their first round, yeah, or excuse me, one of their third round picks. Otherwise, you know, you're looking at the Zach Pinkins kind of guys, you know, some some guys down that line. Is, is that someone you guys are interested in? You know, kind of it, it feels similar to what the Broncos have done in the past. You guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. I think that. I don't know. I, like I said, I think there is some decent center depth in this draft. And I think if you're going to go. Uh, if you if you're going to take an offensive lineman that's probably where you want to target especially with the picks that they have um but yeah i don't i don't see a ton of interior offensive line depth in the draft otherwise um there's some guys you know that i think you can get maybe in the fourth round uh you know like a foresight out of oregon something like that um and i'd be fine with them taking someone like that 
Um, but it'll be, I don't know how that it'll out will all shake out, and it, uh, especially with kind of the the lack of depth with this uh, interior group in, in the draft. So I don't know. I, I think it's something that I think it's a position they should be targeting in the draft for sure. Center. Um, they, they like those wide body guys. So uh, Scruggs, I think his name is from Penn State, is a someone to watch out for. Mm-hmm. I think he has a lot of versatility. We're looking for you know I think. Again, when when you look at Sean Payton's history in the past, like like you were saying, Doc, uh, he likes to draft centers, and then you know what he'll do? He'll, he'll look at them, and he'll have a few centers, actually, that can play it, and then he'll move one of them to guard, and he'll say, I'm glad to have someone who can move over and play center at a high-level position. So uh, to say that they don't go after even you know two centers, uh, you know, it, it, might be foolish to say because he might want wanted them to play guard, you know, down the road for him as well. Um, so you know, it'd be very interesting to look at this center class because I think a lot of them have the versatility to play guard higher than a lot of the guards out there currently. So um, you know, really I think that if you're looking at the center group, that's where you're gonna focus on in the third round, fourth round, uh, to to get those, you know, in those three picks, there could be two centers. Yeah, I think a guy like Jared Patterson out of Notre Dame played some guard too, and so he would be someone you could you could get and plug in there, assuming he doesn't get taken too early. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of areas that we need one or two more pieces to feel for me to feel really good about where the Broncos stand as far as the kind of roster construction. And free, free agency is not over. There's a lot of guys still out there. You know, I think the bulk of the the free agency moves have been made for the Broncos. Um, but, you know, you get guys added to rosters late that are uh, veteran guys that, that can just solidify a group. You know, I think yep. even just bringing Marcus Galloway in was a great move for them to kind of solidify that group because after Tim Patrick, uh, you know, KJ Hamler's been hurt and a question mark. Kendall Hinton's been hit and miss. You know, you got some good guys in, in Virgil and, and Johnson. You can bring in a guy like Callaway that knows – uh, Peyton and his offense and has been has somewhat produced in it. Yeah. You know, and I think that that even a, it doesn't feel like a big move and it probably didn't move the needle for many people uh, around the league, but I think it just, it made that group feel stronger to me. Yeah. I mean, it raises the floor. You get a six foot two, 200 pound receiver who two yeah. years ago had like 60 something catches for like almost 700 yards like 16 and a half a clip and what like six touchdowns and that was with trevor simeon and Jameis winston and you know like it wasn't he didn't get to play with he wasn't playing with drew Brees. so i think that there's a really impactful thing and for like i think the that salary is 1.35 like it'll be the sixth highest paid receiver in the room yeah you know and has produced more than kj hamler has in his whole career had a better, you know, better 2021 than Cortland Sutton and comparable to Tim Patrick, who was the Broncos best receiver. So I, I think I would I would concur. I think that there are more pieces. Uh, you know, I always use Dan Copen as a example of a guy who came in really late, solidified the center position. The early Denver Broncos did that like two or three times. Just a vet. Casey Wegman. Remember that would come in yeah. uh, real late. And those are bargain bin guys who, who just want to play football. You know, they're older in the tooth. It's a one-year deal. And you can do that. That hasn't been what Sean Payton has done. It doesn't mean that he won't do that. Well, right. um, but there's a ton of options, right? So 
Joe Tippman, who I really like, really versatile. Wisconsin, you know, like at, they produce pro linemen out there in the in Wisconsin. Uh, Steve Avila, who I think is rising up some boards, but really strong interior lineman from TCU. Luke Whipler, uh, who is from your Ohio State, fairly right. you know a good a good athlete, more of a technician, which I think really at the center position, I'd rather have a technician over an athlete. You know, not many times I'm going to have a center pull. Uh, you know, hold up and pass pro. Know where you're going. Know the calls. If you can get a good first step or two, you're probably going to be a really good center. I don't need you to get all the time to the second level if you're covered, all that good stuff. Um, so I think that there's a lot of options. I really like the Jared Patterson poll. Uh, so I think that there are there are those. The Broncos could really like look at moving pick, you know, their third and fourth round pick or third and a fifth round pick to move up to late day two or late round round two maybe, and then move back from their second round three pick to recoup some of those. So, you know, yeah. I think that there are moves that they can do if a guy that they like falls. I think the premier interior pass rushers, defensive linemen, I think that those are going to get gobbled up by early round two, I think. So I think getting a toolsy guy or just a really big bodied guy um, in, in round three or four, I think that'll go a long way. I, I think rotational bodies on the interior line, I, I think looking for a guy that, you know, is can do it all. I don't think you need that. We talked about, you know, manufacturing pressure. You need a guy that for 12 plays can stop the run and push the pocket. Give me 12 plays. Yeah. You know, because in the end you're banking on DJ Jones and Mike Purcell and Zach Allen and, you know, the Henningson, you know, the two guys from last year. Additionally, Jonathan Allen, we talked about how impressive he was in his late stint. They got six guys that have pro experience on the roster defensive line right now. So bring in a couple guys to shake that group up and uh, and you feel probably pretty good about it. And again, there's always late training camp additions, guys that will get cut from somewhere because they drafted young. They're trying to go young, shave some salary. You know, maybe you do a flip of a seventh and a six round pick next year to go grab a guy who's going to get cut. They can come produce for your team. So there are a lot of options, uh, but I definitely feel like the, the interior offensive line needs to get addressed. And hopefully there is a project tackle that can get developed because without that you don't have leverage with uh with Garrett if he doesn't play very well or good enough um you know and you're in the late 20s next year are you you know getting a good left tackle is hit or miss you know they get gobbled up real early maybe and so uh what's your plan there um so I think that there's just a, a lot to do I don't think that the holes are that gaping as much as uh, most people do. I think every NFL sure. team is going to be flawed. You have to scheme around it. On offense, I really love that Sean Payton will scheme around it. I think he understands personnel, understands how to manage it. You know, maybe they're going to go two tights, which if that's the case, they do need to bring in another tight end, my assumption. Um, yeah. Uh, probably maybe with some of the mid-round picks. But uh, but defense for me is, you know, get another starter caliber corner. Um, if there's a really good safety that falls, but I think safety is another position where good vets are available late in, in free agency. And I think that's when you can go target. So um, the price, the longer it goes, right. The price for guys really drops. And uh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. throw this really weird one out there. I would love to see if the Broncos do move off of a receiver for future draft capital. That would do Beckham who wanted to play with Sean Payton before potentially. Uh, comes and finds himself to Denver. 
you know, you give them a good, you know, four year, $60 million deal, 30 million guaranteed, pretty good money, 15 uh, for a guy that's got a checkered past and an injury history, uh, but would be cheaper than what you'd have to pay Jerry Judy and or Cortland Sutton if you moved off yeah. either of those guys. Plus, you get some draft compensation. He doesn't count, I don't believe, against the um, pet story pick because he was a free agent last year. So he's a street free agent, I believe. But just saying. Be interesting. I, I, I've <laughs> considered it, but I haven't really seriously considered it. So I think no, I me neither. You know, like it's like, uh, but if they moved off of a guy, yeah, uh, that that room is not deep enough, like you said, top end talent wise, mm-hmm. to move off of Portland Sutton or Jerry Judy and not rebound to another to bring in another option. And maybe they go, yeah. you know, a one year five million dollar deal with some guy who is a good other number two, and you just run a lot of number twos out there. Which, if you can scheme guys open, it's not a bad way to go. I mean, look at the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Like Juju right. Smith-Schuster, the best receiver. He's a good receiver. We can all say that. He He's not going to make other people start naming their kid Juju. You know, he ain't that good. <laughs> right. It's true. Yeah, I just think, you know, and John, I don't know if you have some closing thoughts on this, but one or two moves I think can make this roster feel a lot more solid to me. Um whether that be through the draft or otherwise, I think probably, you know, even guy a guy like, you know, like you said, a safety, maybe late, maybe a Juan Thornhill, someone like that, that can come in, solidify a group, can compete, can start in a pinch. Uh, you know, I, I just think that maybe where this roster is one step away from me feeling strongly that they can contend at this moment. I don't know how I feel about, their their ability to contend right away and so i think i think changes will still happen i think i think there's mm-hmm. a good chance we'll see a lot of change um any uh any final thoughts on that for you john no i think we're we're all in agreement here uh you know it, it'd be nice to get another cornerback to provide some depth uh someone yeah. outside with with bassing uh coming back here uh so you have your your nickel guide behind williams um, so I, I think you have, uh, you know, it'd be nice to just have someone be there to develop and have some competition. Uh, this is a really deep corner corner group. I feel like in the draft, so someone should fall in that third round range where you can want to, you know, take a risk and, and develop him. Um, other than that, I, I really do agree with, uh, the rest of the assessments. You can get some of these guys who are going to want to come play late and, and want to still start. And that's one of the key things. If someone has an option as a center, playing uh, for less money to, to start for Sean Payton versus being a backup, they're going to come over and, and, and be Broncos. So I think that there's a lot of options at center if it doesn't go your way in the draft as well. So it uh, should be really interesting to see what happens. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm open to a lot of different options. I'm just kind of looking at the, uh, the just like the availability list for yeah. center, for receiver, for corner, um, for center. I mean, there's some, you know, there's some pretty good options out here. Uh, Bring back Bradley for all of them that really can. Bradley, Ro- I mean, uh, Ronald Darby's still out there. You yeah, get sure. him uh, a little bit late. I think that there's some, you know, Pat Elfin is still on. You know, yeah. Justin Britt, uh, Ben Jones, Connor McGovern, Rodney Hudson, Nick Martin. I mean, guys that have been you know, fairly good starters at the center position. And then the corner group, there's a lot. 
there's a lot. I think that the secondary room and for safeties are several safeties that are under 28 that you could get as a potential, you know, one year deal with a one year option kind of thing. So if they play well, you keep them. If not, you cut them. So there's, a, I think there's a lot of work that can be done. I agree with you, JT. You, you can uh, get, you can get your cousins, Kyle Fuller, too. You can get both. You can get <laughs> the Fullers, is, but PJ Williams, who has experience with, um, with uh, with the systems or the ideals that uh, that Peyton has ran. Bryce Callahan, who had a pretty good season last year, signed for dirt cheap last year. You can probably get him pretty yeah. dirt cheap this year. Um, your boy, Eli Apple. Just kidding. Let's not do that. <laughs> um, but Shaq Griffin, William Jackson. I mean, guys that, that can play pretty good. William Jackson's a really good man corner, not a really good zone corner. So if they ran a lot of that here, um, you know, I think that there's quite a few options. So... You know, injury guy like Jason Verrett, who when he's on the field, he's really good. When he's hurt, he's yeah. not. But if you got him at a pretty minimal deal, uh, you do what you can. Justin Lane, a pretty good slot corner, has had some good experience. So I, I just think that there's a lot, and I agree with you. Chris Boyd, who, you know, is hit or miss, but relatively young. I think that there's just some there's some options that if you want to or decide to, you can get them in really cheap, one-year deal, yep. you know, and, uh, and move on if uh, – even if they play well, they play into the compensatory pick formula, which would be good. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's wrap here today. I think as the week goes on, we're going to get into some more draft talk. I think uh, we're going to have to talk offline a little bit. But I want to get into some, uh, maybe some ranking of some players in, in position groups. So uh, oh, keep no. an ear out for you because I think that's something we would all love to do. Um, but thank you everyone for listening. We don't, we wouldn't do this without you guys. We appreciate your support and, uh, your, your viewership, listenership. Um, you know, if you want to reach out, give us some beer suggestions, reach out to us on Twitter individually or at the orange underscore and underscore brew, uh, tag on Twitter and Instagram and, and throw us some, uh, some questions, some suggestions for beers. We'd love to take you up on them. Uh, otherwise, just be kind to one another. Be safe out there and go Broncos. Go Broncos. Go Broncos. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network with gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. It's Jeep 4x4 season. Make your next adventure epic and hurry in now for great deals. And now, well-qualified lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe for $389 a month for 24 months with $5,399 due at signing. Tax title license extra. No security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution, a lease request, or capital. Extra charge for miles over 20000 Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 531-23. Jeep is a registered trademark.